Welcome to You Are Not A Goat. If you want to follow your passion and do what you love, this is the podcast for you. Without further ado, here's your host, Slimy Zions. Hello and welcome to episode number two of You Are Not A Goat. My name is Shlemy Zients and I am your host. Just before we get started this week, I wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening, for taking some of your precious time to enjoy the show. I really appreciate it. And to all those of you who wrote reviews on iTunes or anywhere else, I really appreciate that as well. It really helps the show grow. The show has been growing. I just had a look at the statistics earlier this week. And there are listeners all over the world. We have many listeners in the United States, Canada, in the United Kingdom, in Switzerland, in Italy, even in Israel. And surprisingly, there are some listeners in Turkey as well. That was a surprise to me, but I'm glad to see that people are enjoying it. And as you know, the goal of this show and this podcast is sort of to inspire people, to inspire people to do what they love, do what they want to do. It doesn't have to be starting a business, although many people always wanted to start a business of their own, and if that's your thing, I hope you'll do that. But if you're not so much into business and you just want to pursue your passions in life, there are so many things you can do. You can start playing an instrument or you can pick up a different hobby, start making art. That's the goal of this podcast, to get you to do something that you are not doing that you've always wanted to do or to get you to do something that nobody else is doing. Be unique. You are not a goat. Do something that's going to make you feel good about yourself and help you live your best life. You know, very often I'll see something, I'll notice a problem in society or a problem with a certain product or a problem with a certain service. I'll be like, you know, I have an idea for this. I could make this better in a way. And I'm sure many of you experience the same thing. Our guest this week is a fellow by the name of Michael D'Agostino. And this is a very interesting interview and a very interesting story that he has to share. And I'm going to just tell you a little bit about it. Michael D'Agostino is the founder and CEO of Tenter.com. Tenter is sort of like the Airbnb for camping. So if you want to go on a camping trip, you go to Tenter.com, pick which state you're in, find the property that you like, and you book your trip directly with the landowner as opposed to some state environmental agency or something like that it's a very personalized experience and people are loving it it's a a company that's growing really quickly i had a chat with michael a while back and we're going to play that in a minute but one of the things that fascinated me about michael is that he started his company because he noticed a problem somewhere he went on a camping trip he loves going camping and he had a very bad trip it was just too crowded for him and he decided to end his trip early and on the way home he had this idea to start Tenter. So listen to this interview, enjoy it and hopefully it'll inspire you to take action in your own life and you know start something new. Here it is Michael D'Agostino, founder and CEO of Tenter.com. Enjoy. Hey, Michael. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Lemmy. Glad to be here. Thanks for coming on. We're super glad to have you. Just to start, can you share with us your background and uh, 
the, the beginning story of Tenter? Yeah, sure. So I was uh, an investment banker for about 12 years mm-hmm. um, doing corporate finance work. And um, then my wife started a technology company when the world blew up in 2008 and Bear Stearns went belly up. And um, I joined her to help her start her company. Um, and then when that got off the ground, I actually went back into the finance world and ran the IPOs at the New York Stock Exchange. Um, while I was there, um, this idea for, for Tenter emerged. And um, it, it was an idea that had been a long time coming since I was a little kid camping in a cow pasture in Litchfield, Connecticut. Um, but the idea is simple. Uh, and having very little time of my own uh, working in, in finance, um, every once in a while I just want to get out of the city. And so found a campground in New Jersey to go to, and it was uh, terrible. Um, it was crowded. It was noisy. There was about 40 people uh, right next to us having a Wiccan convention, Earth Witches. Oh, and um, it, it, was, it was nuts. It was like camping in Times Square. And um, we left early because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't relaxing. It wasn't recharging. And on the way home, we drove past a really beautiful farm. And I said to my wife, uh, man, imagine if we could just go camping there. And then I thought, wait imagine if we could actually go camping there. Uh, so that was a lightning bolt moment for the company. And then I thought, you know, why can't we reinvent the infrastructure of camping and the way people enjoy the outdoors? Um, it's an infrastructure today that's been around for 150 years and it hasn't changed since the civil war. It has almost no technology connected to it. Um, and it's run largely by the federal government. So we wanted to disrupt that, uh, disrupt that industry. Okay, so what year was this when you drove past the farm? It was in 2015. Um, late 2014, uh, actually late 2014, fall of 2014, and um, the company started in earnest in April of 2015. So how did you go about starting the company once you had the idea? So we... Uh, my wife and I had this idea. We threw up a business plan and, um, and then we started sort of talking to some venture capital firms in New York city. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and ended up finding one that was really passionate about the outdoors and, and what we were doing and our idea. And, uh, we raised an initial, uh, million dollar seed round of, of venture capital funding. Nice. How did you approach the first homeowners or how did you get the actual business off the ground? Yeah. So, so (laughs) when we started, um, the first thing I did was, was to find a a chief technology officer. Um, because I'm not a tech guy. Um, I'm a finance guy and and a big picture guy. Um, so the first thing I did was find a chief technology officer, which, which I did. Um, once that was, once that was settled, um, I designed the the kit, which is the Tenter campsite kit, and I wanted it to be comfortable and stylish um, and easy to assemble. So um, I designed that that whole kit, which is which is a wooden platform and picnic table, um, chairs and bed system. Um, and then I found a company out in Denver to manufacture these beautiful, iconic canvas tents. Once that was done, um, then it was time to find some people that wanted to 
participate in in this uh, in this idea. So, like, I so put you, about you 45... put together all the kits yeah. before you had any hosts. We well, I designed I designed the kits, um, and then we found a uh, we found a contract manufacturer to actually build them for us. Rabbi, um, you did that before that you was... had any landowners who were willing to allow you to use their property. We did. We yeah, we found the manufacturer before we had any landowners. Um, but we didn't hit go on that until we had, until we had, uh, a few people that were willing to do it. So okay. I put about, you know, 45,000 miles on my Jeep Cherokee driving around the Catskills and basically sitting in people's living rooms and convincing them to put a campsite in their hayfield. And, um, a shocking number of them said that they thought that was a terrific idea. Nice. So how many campsites do you have today? Today we have uh, close to 400 campsites in 11 states, including California. Okay, so what's the process like, or what what's the experience like for someone who never heard of Tenter.com? What do you, what goes on? How does it work? Sure. So, so as a as a camp keeper, which is what we call the landowners, yeah. um, today instead of me driving around in my Jeep Cherokee, we have a we have a large uh, digital and and direct mail campaign. Um, to source people with land that they'd like to share. So if people have 20 acres of land or more uh, that, they, that they can share and it has beautiful features, uh, it's accessible, there's privacy and seclusion, they can apply to be a tenter campkeeper. Uh, so that all happens online. Um, and we do send a, uh, we send a scout out to the property. Um, and then the, if it's greenlit for installation, an installation team goes out and installs the campsite on the property. Once that's done, the campsite is now live on tenter.com to be booked by anybody that wants to enjoy the great outdoors. Um, as a camper, simple. Um, you just go to our website, you find your perfect place, you can search by location, you can search by activity. Um, and once you find your campsite, you just book it, very similar to how, how Airbnb works. Right. Um, and once that once that happens, we send you a, we send you a comprehensive list of things that you should bring, things that, that are already included uh, there at your campsite, uh, activities to do in the area, wonderful restaurants, farm table restaurants, and hikes, and all sorts of things. So you have a kind of a fully integrated um, experience um, waiting for you at, at the campsite. And what kind of uh, amenities are offered at the campsites? Well, that's the beauty of it. Um, what, what, happens, what you get with your basic tenter kit is a beautiful canvas tent, uh, a bunk bed system with queen-size adult bunk beds, um, an extra tent in case you happen to have more people with you, a picnic table, Adirondack chairs, a fire pit um, with a grill to cook over, a camp toilet, um, and, and, and other amenities like a sun shower and a water container, um, tongs for the grill, that sort of thing. So you're sort of equipped with everything you need and nothing you don't need. Then what happens is the landowners, we've enabled them to offer what we call tenter extras. And an extra is anything that they'd like to offer to their campers as a paid amenity. Um, and so they offer anything from a bundle of firewood to a skeet shooting excursion, to a luxury bedding kit, to fresh mm -hmm. produce from their farm or garden, um, limited really by the imagination. Um, Maybe there's, maybe there's a couple of kayaks in the barn. 
they rent those to the campers. So um, this has got to be one of our most sort of popular um, new initiatives at Tenter. Um, and it allows our landowners to create really hyper-local experiences for their campers in a way that we never could. Right. And what are the rules that you require from the landowners? Like, what do they have to comply with when they're when they have a site? How much land do they need? Do they need any insurance? Tell me about that. Sure, yeah. So typically the rule of thumb is that they need about 20 acres of land. Um, For a campsite? That generally, right, exactly. And that, and that generally assures that there's privacy um, from, from neighbors and from, uh, from the house where the, the landowner lives and that sort right. of thing. Um, and, but it's a rule of thumb. I mean, if, if you live uh, backed up to a 3,000-acre forest preserve, then it could be a totally different story. So, but 20 acres is generally a rule of thumb. We actually provide, um, we actually provide full general liability um, insurance to every campsite free of charge. Um, up to $2 million per camp. So um, that's all taken care of. The only thing that we ask of the landowners is that um, is that they take care of their campsite um, and also that Tenter is exclusive. And there's your, you know, we ask that you don't advertise on any other platforms. Right. So I forgot to ask you, does the, do the campsites have power, like um, electricity? Nope. No power, no running water. Um, but, uh, we've kind of, we've kind of implemented some elegant solutions around that. Um, and the camp toilet is, is truly elegant in its simplicity. Um, it's just a wooden box with, uh, a, a clean waste bag system, which is a waste system designed by NASA for the space program. Um, very simple, very easy to use, uh, and landfill safe. Um, and then in terms of the water situation, there's a five-gallon water container at every campsite um, that camp keepers are asked to fill up or at least provide their campers with a easy source to fill it up. So it's, um, you know, I think, I think the difference here is a lot of people talk about Tenter as the glamping, the Airbnb of glamping right. or glamorous camping. And, um, and, that, and that's fine. And, and, and I think to some extent versus sleeping in a, tent cheek by jowl with a million other people in a state campground it, to some extent it is clamping but i think we kind of differentiate ourselves by giving you a fully equipped experience um but at the end of the weekend or at the end of the few days that you've been at the central campsite you really feel like you've done something and you feel like you're connected to the outdoors and you've built a campfire and you've uh, you know you've you've used our, our camp toilet system instead of um instead of a real bathroom with running water and, and so it's it's a uh, it's a unique experience that I think anybody can do um, in, in relative comfort and style. Well, it sounds like you really want people to connect with the camping experience because if you don't have electricity, that means there's probably no light pollution. And then if you don't have water, then people have to, you know, use nature more. So I like the fact that you're like sort of encouraging people to connect to that experience. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's easy to go away and stay in a hotel or stay even in an Airbnb in a community and, and never really experience um, the outdoors or experience the best of what the community has to offer. Whereas if you're, if you're thrust right into nature, um, you know, you really get a different sense of, of the world and you explore the world in a different way um, because you're exploring for food. You 
you know, typically people will cook food over the campfires at their tent or campsites. Um, so you're, you're exploring it a different way than you normally would if you're uh, just in an air-conditioned suite in, the, in, in a hotel. Right. And let me ask you, which states are you located in currently? Uh, we're in 11 states. Um, so that would include Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, New York, Rhode Island, Maryland, uh, California, and New Jersey. Did I say New Jersey? Anyway. So my question uh, is, this, go ahead. Yeah. Basically ahead. all the Northeast and California. Right. So the states that you aren't in yet, the 39 states that you're not in, is that for legal reasons or it's just that you guys haven't expanded there yet? Like, is there anything specifically that's stopping you from those, being in those states? No, 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 not at all. We're, uh, we're expanding as rapidly as possible. So we're, we're sort of, uh, way out, way out in front on our expansion plans. And we expect to be in, um, we expect to be within about two and a half hours of the top 50 metropolitan areas in the United States, uh, within two to three years. Nice. And how, how are you doing outreach to find more landowners? Yeah. So primarily through, through, uh, digital marketing, um, but also through an extensive direct mail campaign. So when you say digital marketing, you're talking like Facebook ads and stuff like that? Exactly. Facebook and Google AdWords. And do you find that these systems work for you? Well, I'll tell you, we actually, it's funny, we actually get a better response rate from, from direct mail for campkeeper acquisitions. So uh, we've made good use of that and we can target by, um, by size of the property and residentially owned and uh, the zip codes that we're interested in. So we actually get a better response rate from direct mail for, for that side of our marketplace. I see. And say I lived in Wyoming and I had a thousand acres of land, would I be able to put down, you know, 50 campsites? We would, uh, we would assess the property and, you know, we're, we kind of, we kind of bill ourselves a little bit as the anti campground. Um, so what we don't want to create is a situation where you're bumping into a million people you don't know. Um, but if you do have a thousand acres, that's obviously a huge property that could accommodate a lot of central campsites, um, and provide each one with enough privacy and seclusion to give the, the right tenter experience. So absolutely. If you know anybody in Wyoming with a thousand acres, please tell them to give me a call. I hope one day it'll be me. <laughs> me too. Okay, so let me ask you this. What does it cost for a landowner to set up the site? Or I understand you guys do it, but what would it cost the landowner? Yeah, so currently we charge a $1,500 uh, membership fee. So that's a one-time fee that the landowner pays. Um, and for that, they get about $7,000 worth of equipment, which, is, uh, which allows them to establish this turnkey business that runs on our platform um, and can generate, you know, Average about seventy two hundred dollars a year in revenues. I see. Okay. That so, price, by the way, is that price, by the way, is going up. Our membership fees are increasing uh, as of next month. To what? To five thousand dollars. Okay, I understand. It's expensive to set up the site. But mm -hmm. my question would be: What does it cost a someone who wants to spend the night at a campsite? Oh, sure. Um, so for the campers. The, the pricing is set by the landowner, so we don't control the pricing. Um, is there a minimum? So the average, there's a, there's a hundred dollar floor for okay. the for the, uh, for the pricing model. 
but um, I think right now the average price is about $120 a night, right. which is pretty reasonable if you if you're dividing that among you know even six people. people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And let's say, God forbid, there's a forest fire or a hurricane or something destroys the site. Would the landowner have to pay for the kit to be set up again, or you guys would take care of that? Yeah, this acts of God are are covered by our our insurance policy, so we would uh, we would fix the campsite and get it back ship shape in no time. Right. And um, what's your edge over your competition, if you have any, and why can't Airbnb come in and crush you? <laughs> Well, uh, I think if Airbnb really decided they wanted to, um, they they could. But I think I think we're, our edge and our differentiation is is a couple of things. First of all, we define and we control our entire marketplace. So all the equipment that's installed, it's ours. We designed it. Um, we're constantly improving on it, and we own it. So um, we literally define and control our marketplace. Two, um, you know, we've made the slightly contrarian decision to take responsibility for and leadership of our customers' emotional journey throughout their trip, from the moment they book to the moment they return. Um, and I think that is a distinction that's going to serve us and has served us well in terms of building our brand and growing the company. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, people that may have had experiences with some other sharing economy companies, um, I mean, if you ever try to get in touch with somebody because you're having a problem, good luck. But with right. Tenter, we make sure that there's 24-7 customer service for both sides of our marketplace. Um, and we also make sure that when you're going on a camping trip, you know exactly what the best things to do are. We've curated all this stuff for you so that um, you're arriving already knowing exactly what you do, what you want to do to have a fantastic experience. Um, so I think those two things defining and controlling our entire marketplace um, and and taking leadership of and responsibility for our, our customers' emotional journey are two, two edges. Um, you know, I think you and I could put an empty refrigerator box on the corner of 52nd and Madison and put it on Airbnb for 15 bucks a night. Um, right. We're much more curated. Um, and while that means that we may grow a little bit more slowly than Airbnb, um, I think at the end of the day, we'll have a network that's incredibly powerful. I see. And what about moving into other countries? Have you thought about that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is uh, global domination is, is the name of the game here. But uh, um, one step at a time. And, and uh, the funny thing is, it's it's not hard for us technically to, uh, uh, or mechanically, I should say, to set up um, campsites in other countries. We could have we could have a bunch of campsites in Canada and Mexico right now if we really wanted to, or right. or wherever. But um, the the funny thing is is that payment, cross border payment, is actually um, trickier than you might think technically. So, um, which is which is not to say that that's that's holding us up. Right now, we're focused on the the top fifty metropolitan markets in the United States, and um, and then we'll think about expansion globally. But uh, but it is surprisingly tricky to do to do cross border payments. So, if anybody has uh, if anybody has good solutions to that, I'd love to hear about them. Okay. And um, what's the craziest thing that's happened to you on this journey so far? 
<laughs> I only get to say one, huh? Um, Tell me all of them. <laughs> let's see. Um, look, I mean, I think I think the craziest thing so far is that uh, we've raised close to $15 million for a concept that came out of uh, a really lousy camping trip in, in the New Jersey State Park. Um, but I, I think... Uh, <laughs> In terms of in terms of day to day stuff, um, it's 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 an adventure every day, to be honest with you. And and crazy things happen on a daily basis. People people have babies and leave. Um, people uh, come in that um, you have low expectations of, and and they knock the cover off the ball. Uh, landowners who you think are going to be um, maybe low performing or moderately performing landowners, campkeepers and campsites end up being, you know, the most lucrative and most fantastic campkeepers uh, that we have in our, in our network. Um, you know, <laughs> in terms of, in terms of crazy stuff that's happened, uh, one, two, two campers, one Saturday night, um, were walking with their dog and, and, uh, and they must have encountered a just the largest nest of of ticks ever in the history of the world, okay. and ended up three of them in an emergency room covered with ticks. I guess the dog had the worst the worst of it, but uh, yeah. And so and, and so stuff like that happens. I mean, in this in a company like this where there's people going outdoors and exploring the world in a new way, you're you're always going to have uh, you're always going to have some some funny stuff happen. Fortunately, nobody's ever gotten hurt. Um, and uh and we were very happy about that but um you know i think i think the the best thing about being the ceo of tenter is is getting the emails from campers um people getting engaged at our campsites people teaching themselves how to roast duck over a campfire and sending us pictures of it um people celebrating birthdays and bachelor parties and and uh and in a way that they never really could have before. Um, I think, I think that's the, uh, that's the best part of my job. Yeah, but what would you say the biggest challenge has been or the biggest crisis since you started the company? Well, I think the biggest challenge has just been balancing a two-sided marketplace. Um, I think it's, it's challenging for every two-sided marketplace and, and it's, uh, and we're no exception. Um, so the laws of supply and demand when they're all under one roof um, can be tricky. And so we, you know, you don't want to have a million campsites and 10 campers. You don't want to have a million, a million campers and 10 campsites. Um, so balancing that supply and demand in the two sided marketplace has probably been the biggest challenge for us. I see. And what advice would you give someone who's looking to start a business? And would you recommend that someone try to do something like you've done? Well, hopefully not exactly like we've done, but, uh, but no, I would, I would absolutely, absolutely recommend, um, that people, that people go and be entrepreneurs. I mean, it's, it's, it's the hardest and most rewarding thing, uh, I think you could do. Um, I, I think, I think the, the one piece of advice that I would have is, um, one, um, you know, cash is king make sure that you're, you have, enough capital to get to your next milestone 
um, and then some. Um, and then just surround yourself with the best people that you can afford out of the gate. Um, there, there's there's no such thing as spending too much money um, within reason, of course, on um, on a person who's going to help you get to the next level because that, especially in a venture back business, that that could be the difference between your company not only making it but becoming a uh, a company worth worth hundreds of millions of dollars. So um, right out of the gate, surround yourself with the smartest, best people you can is, is my, my best piece of advice, I would say. Right. And speaking of surrounding yourself with the smartest people, how many employees do you currently have? We have 32 employees today at Tenter um, and are hiring. We're hiring for a couple roles, so people can always check the uh, check the website for the, the current openings. But how do you manage your team and keep them happy? Well, <laughs> um, well we have we have a we have a senior management structure in place that um, that I'm pretty pretty proud of, and I have four direct reports. Um, but I think the team, the culture that we built at Tensor is uh, is probably one of my actually one of my favorite things about the company. Um, and we have managed to build a, a collection of people who bleed Tensor Orange and and spend their weekends, um, you know doing things like going on going on tenter camping trips to, to try to get as much information as I can to make better experiences for our campers. Um, we have, uh, you know, we have, we have buck hunter video game tournaments um, every once in a while on Friday afternoons. Um, we have, we all eat together. We eat lunch together. Um, and, uh, and it's very collaborative. We, we work in a big open office in Chinatown Um with no walls or cubicles and everybody kind of talks to everybody and everybody, I think everybody has a say and a stake in the direction and strategy of the business. And I think it makes people feel um, really good about being there because, because they get to, they get to put their fingerprint on, on the success of the business. Okay. Sounds good. And can you share with me some sort of customer service success story or something that happened with a customer who might not have been so happy and you were able to turn it around in a good way? Yeah. Yeah. One, one jumps to mind. Um, there's a, a couple really, really nice young couple. Um, and it was his birthday. And so, um, his girlfriend was giving him a tenter camping trip for his birthday. And, um, she called our customer, service team almost in tears and said that um, she couldn't find a campsite available for the weekend of her boyfriend's birthday. And this was all she wanted to give him. Um, and so it was, this was actually a Thursday evening um, oh, wow. uh, before that, before that weekend. And we, our campsites were a hundred percent booked. Um, and so we were, uh, we wanted to make them happy. And, our build team didn't have any builds scheduled uh, until the following Monday. So we actually accelerated the build schedule to build them their own campsite um, on Friday morning uh, so that wow. she could take them, take her boyfriend for, uh, for his birthday. So, um, and they were really thrilled. They were, they couldn't have been happier. And the campsite happens to be absolutely beautiful on a, on a river um, with its own private swimming hole. So, um, they were thrilled and, um, we were happy. And, um, so we, we do, we try to go way above and beyond to it. And that's, I think that's a good example of, of kind of taking, taking ownership of our customer's emotional journey. Well, that's a beautiful story. Thanks, man.
Thanks for sharing. One of my favorites. My pleasure. My pleasure. Okay, so do you guys offer any sort of uh, sign-up bonus like other, like Airbnb? A sign-up bonus? Yeah, like to get people using the service, or... a referral bonus or something like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so if you refer someone um, to Tenter with land to share and, um, and we end up putting up a campsite, we'll pay you 250 bucks. Cool. And what about a uh, guest? Yep. Um, we have we have a referral program called uh, Give a Little and Get a Little. So if you um, if you refer a friend who goes on a camping trip, they'll get a discount and uh, and you'll get a discount. That's fair. After nice. next tenth trip. Yeah. Okay. Um, my next question would be: How do you deal with stress? <laughs> That's a great question. You don't sound um, stressed at all with that laugh. It's a healthy laugh. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's because of running. Um, it's, uh, look, being an entrepreneur, there's no, there's no two ways about it. It's a stressful job. Um, I'm, I'm holding the livelihoods of 32 people, including my own in my hands. Um, on any given weekend, I've got thousands of people, uh, at our campsites. Um, and I want them to have a, a wonderful time. Um, and I've got investors and a board of directors, um, that I have to communicate with and, and uh and and deal with on a, on a regular basis so look there's there's zero percent chance that you're gonna have no stress uh no external stress stressors i should say in this job um and the way i deal with it is i go running um i wake up in the morning i put on my snakes and i go running along the hudson river um and it it helps me stay grounded throughout um throughout the day and um and I'm drinking a lot of water, I think, are the two ways that uh, that I've figured out to, to manage my stress. But everyone's probably different. That's just how I do it. Yeah, but I like the way you uh, you seem to run your life in a very, um, what's the right word for this? Grounded and, like, just healthy way. Well, my, my wife would be happy to hear you say that because um, I think sometimes she thinks I don't take good enough care of myself. But uh, I'll send you a link I, to the I, podcast so you can share it with her. I will. I will. And, and, and I think today, these days, um, you know, staying grounded and, and staying healthy is even more important because we have, we have twin six month old baby, uh, daughter. So, oh, um, congratulations. So it's, thank you. So it's, uh, it's more, more important than ever. Do you meditate at all or do anything to like stay in the zone or get in the zone? Yeah, I do. I do try to do some meditation. Um, and, uh, I feel like I'm pretty bad at it, but I but I do give it a shot. Right. Okay, and my last question would be like this. If you could have a beer with anybody in history, alive or dead, anyone from the beginning of time until today, who would it be? It's a good question. Um, it's a very good question. And I think I I think I'd have to say, and to, for where we are right now, I, I'd like to have a beer with Thomas Jefferson. I'd like to hear what he has to say about our current political system and what he thinks of lobbying um, and the current political machine, um, and also what he thinks of uh, what he thinks of America today versus what it looked like in 1776. Wow. 
And, and also how he liked camping. How he liked camping. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he'd be thrilled to use one of your sites. But they well, didn't have that so. in his day. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> and if you had to pick a business person, uh, someone current to have a beer with, who would it be? Not somebody who's still alive? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I'd probably have a beer with Reed Hoffman if I could. Um, he, uh, he built LinkedIn from nothing, um, in a time where, in a time where there were flat search directories and he basically introduced the concept, concept of, of, of networking and, and network directories. And, um, and so I think there's a ton to learn from that guy. Um, he also published online the Series B uh, deck that he did for uh, for LinkedIn, which is something that I think every entrepreneur in the world could learn something from. Um, I think he's one of the smartest guys around. And uh, man, yeah, I'd love to be with him. Okay, I hope one day you'll get to do that. I I, I hope you're right. So thank you so, so much for your time. It sounds like a really awesome company you're running. Um, I've had some horrible camping experiences, so I look forward to trying your service one of these days. And I wish we you much well. success in the future. And once again, thanks for coming thanks. on the show. Thanks so much, Lonnie. Appreciate it. Have a great day. That was Michael D'Agostino, founder and CEO of Tenter. You can learn more about Tenter at www.tenter.com. That's T-E-N-T-R-R.com. The link to Tenter's website is also in the show notes in the description. So check it out. Hopefully you'll find some time to go on a camping trip and enjoy nature for yourself. I would just like to point out that since I conducted the interview a couple months ago, a couple things have changed at Tenter. Number one, they added 19 new states, so they are now available in 30 states, which is a lot of growth in a couple of months. And also, they have lowered their pricing model, so there are actually some campsites available for under $100, contrary to what Michael said earlier. Anyway, check them out. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. I'm sorry there was a little bit late this week, but hopefully next week I will get it out earlier and on time. I'm going to try to get them out for Sunday. Can't promise, but I'll do my best. And if you can, please leave a review for the show. It really helps me so much. It helps the show grow. It helps people find the show. It literally takes less than 20 seconds. So head over to the iTunes store, leave us a review, and a five-star rating, of course. Tell your friends about it. Like and subscribe. Share it. And please come back next week for another great episode of You Are Not a Goat. Next week, have a really, really good episode as well. I can't tell you who it is, but trust me, you are going to enjoy it. Have a wonderful week. My name is Shlomi Zions, and you are listening to You Are Not a Goat. You are not a goat. The podcast for you.